We're approaching Easter, which means I have that on my mind. And in this episode, I want to lift up a couple of details about the Easter story maybe you haven't thought about. But more importantly, I'd like to ask what questions you may have about this most important weekend of the church year. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. Pastor Tim Westermeyer here, senior pastor of St. Philip the Deacon in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. Good to be with you, as always. We're taping this on Monday, April 3rd, where in Minnesota we still have some snow on the ground, which is a little disappointing. Uh, More importantly, though, this is uh, the very beginning of Holy Week. Palm Sunday was yesterday, the day before we're taping this. And later this week, we enter into the most significant, most holy time of the church year, uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, moving to Easter. Easter um, here at St. Philip. We have services for all of those. If you are in the area or if you are not in the area but want to join us digitally, we certainly invite you to do that. Um, again, uh, we'll, we'll maybe provide links to where you can find information about those services, but Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. We have a first light of Easter service uh, Saturday evening and then three big glorious Easter Sunday services on Easter Sunday morning. I am, um, this is a little inside baseball, I suppose, but on the Monday before Easter and before the events of Holy Week, what I'm sitting with is um, what message am I going to bring, particularly on Easter Sunday, uh, to try to make sense of the events that surround the death and then the resurrection of Jesus. If you are watching this before Easter Sunday and if you have questions or thoughts about things you think would be worth hearing. I am genuinely interested in hearing what those are. I sometimes worry that uh, at Christmas and Easter, we think we know the story so well that it makes it hard to hear it uh, with fresh ears. And I'm going to lift up just a couple of examples. Uh, At least one of these I think I've brought up in past Easter sermons. I don't intend to lift it up this Sunday. But a couple of examples of what maybe seem like obvious, or uh, I don't like the word, but dumb questions to ask. And as you've heard many times, there are no dumb questions. Um, Maybe the obvious questions are sometimes uh, some of the most important. So a couple examples of that. One, uh, we always hear about the stone being rolled away from the tomb. Well, in our culture, we don't have tombs that we open up again. When we bury someone, we put them in the ground and we seal it up. And there's no need to get back into the the grave. So why is there this stone that seems to be a movable feature of the graves of ancient Palestine? Turns out there's a good answer for that, and that was that most of the time people would be buried, uh, you might think of it as not once, but twice. First of all, the body would be laid in the tomb, and then uh, it would be left to decay and rot uh, and be and go down only to bones. And then the tomb would be opened up a second time, typically a year or so later, so that those bones could be collected and placed in something called an ossuary. Uh, and that, among other things, saved space in those tombs. So that, again, it's the kind of detail we, we read every year, but maybe without thinking about it, uh, have questions about it. So that's one example. Another example uh, is um, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all uh, begin the resurrection accounts with who? The women. 
Mary Magdalene and the others go on the first day, on what we would call Sunday morning, um, and they find, as I just mentioned, the stone rolled away, and they're there to anoint the body, which they had not had a chance to because it had been so rushed as Sabbath was approaching. Um, and, and it's very clear in the Gospels that the women are the first um, witnesses of the resurrection. You get to the later books of the New Testament, for example, 1 Corinthians 15, very famously, and I'll read just a little bit of this. And we have Paul saying, For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, which suggests that this is already a kind of a a creed that had been established among the early Christians that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, uh, Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So the question is, why do the accounts in the Gospels, which clearly state that Mary Magdalene and the other women were the first to see, to be witnesses of the resurrection, why does that not square with this account from Paul in 1 Corinthians? And the explanation is a relatively easy one. The, Paul is uh, recounting this creed, which, again, the early Christians wanted it to be believable, right? And they understood, and this is a function of the culture of the time, that women were not reliable witnesses in courts of law. So they sort of already very early are, are uh, excising the the witnesses of the or the witness of the women, the testimony of the women, in order to strengthen the story about Christianity. And you say may say, well, that's not fair to the women totally fair, appropriate comment. Uh, That's maybe a topic for another time. But here's the interesting thing. Why then do the Christians leave the accounts in the Gospels uh, as they were, with the women being the first witnesses? And that isn't that would be an embarrassment, right? It would be um, it would it would not strengthen. It would diminish the credibility of the story. And yet, that is how it's recounted in the Gospels, which suggests what? That that's the way it actually happened. There is no reason that the first Christians would have left those accounts in the Gospels as they were unless they were true. So that's what you call sort of evidence by embarrassment, uh, right? There's no reason to leave that in if they're concocting a story and they want to make the story as strong, as plausible, as believable as possible. And that's not, it seems, what they're doing. What they're doing is they're recounting the events as they actually happened. That's a long way around to, again, that's one of those details, though, that I sometimes think we we read about or we hear every Easter and we don't actually give it as much thought as it maybe deserves. So, again, I, I given what I just said about the stone and the women being witnesses, um, it strikes me that maybe you, for example, are not even sure of what questions you have about this event. But I want to be very clear about this. If there are questions or unresolved tensions in your mind about the events of Easter, I really would genuinely love to know what they are. If, if I get them in time, it may inform what I preach about this coming weekend. Uh, if, it, if, if you have them after Easter, I'd still love to hear from you and I can respond um, in a different way maybe in the future. Let me conclude um, 
by reading a very short few sentences from, I, I don't know if I've talked about this book before or not. It's um, A History of the Christian Church, very uh, catchy title, uh, fourth edition uh, by Williston Walker. And I've always felt like these few sentences are a very objective, rational, clear, understated reminder of the truth of the resurrection, which is, of course, what we will be celebrating at Easter. Here's what he says. What Jesus taught and did was, in the experience of his disciples, vindicated by his being raised after death to the life of the kingdom which he had proclaimed. The how, he has that in quotes, the how of this conviction is one of the most puzzling of historical problems. The fact of it is unquestionable. I will read that last sentence again. The fact of it is unquestionable. It seems to have come first to Peter, who in that sense at least was the rock leader on whom the church was founded. All the early disciples shared it, including the women. It was the turning point in the conversion of Paul, and it gave courage to the scattered disciples, brought them together again, and made them witnesses. We'll talk more about that on Sunday, of course. Uh, I'll be interested to hear what I have to say, (laughs) maybe informed by your comments. Uh, Until then, I wish all of you the blessings of this holiest week of the year. And as always, until next time, be well, stay in touch, and God bless. (music) 